0: And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Cherise. Now, if you watched the Going Live show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um, the public defender. That was her uh, main gimmick on the uh, show. That was the main character she played, and she did that quite a few times. And if you saw the um, Hood Exorcist sketch, uh, she played the mother in the sketch. Like I played the uh, the priest that was trying to, you know, get the demon out of her son in the sketch uh, she played the mom and I played the priest going the power of Christ compels you like that was me well sadly this past Christmas Eve uh, Tata Charisse was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show and order more merch so she can, you know, get back to selling merch and get out there performing. And what I'm gonna do is, I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase it. So this is on her GoFundMe page. Hey y'all, so I got carjacked. I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times, but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for. I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show. Comedy is now the majority of my income, so my car was very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Charisse merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which was another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about 5 to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year 6 of my stand-up comedy career and it has been an incredible journey I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows nonstop, but I can't let this situation slow me down. And as I mentioned before, Tata Charisse is a friend of mine. I've worked with her before. She is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent, and I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Charisse's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet, get back on the road, and get back to doing what she does best. So from now until the GoFundMe page is completed, I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single BoochCast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the BoochCast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we are back again with our NFL weekend Review. We had a little break that we had to take last week, but we are back again, ready to give you some insight. We had the wild card, the divisional round, the conference championships this weekend. But of course, we can't dive into this without the NFL exporter, the man himself. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back the one, the only, Mr. Lance Goodman.
1: Lance, welcome back to the show. Man, thank you very much. Happy to be here this morning how's everything going
0: uh everything's going great man just uh setting things up around the house i've got a i've got a busy day today man i've got recordings lined up for the entire day and i'm glad to kick it off with you man and i am just excited to dive into this man but uh before we do i know um we know we were you at we had a a little bit of a busy time last week did you have fun where you were at
1: oh yeah oh yeah everything uh going good no complaints at all especially when it comes to travel nowadays if you're able to uh travel without any cancellations without any delays without any complications uh it's a big win so I, I was definitely able to do that
0: absolutely man so uh obviously um we got some time to make up for we can definitely do that but uh before we get into the craziness of what happened this past weekend uh how did you feel the wild card games went
1: as expected. Uh, I think when you looked at the New York Giants and Minnesota Vikings game, that was a complete toss up. Uh, we talked all year long about the Minnesota Vikings being a team that were living on the edge, that were um, winning a lot of games by the skin of their teeth. And we talked about it not being a bad or negative thing, uh, but it made people, uh, it made it hard to buy into their overall record, which was 13 and four. And you just never seen a dominant performance from Minnesota all year long, you know. I think the first game of the season, uh, you take with a grain of salt, they played very well and beat up on the uh, Green Bay Packers. And that was even the game that uh, at that time, rookie Christian Watson for the Packers dropped a touchdown where he was wide open. That really kind of changed the complexion of that game. And so I think when you looked at the New York Giants, they played the brand of football that they did all year long. They were another team that uh, games were close, but it was a different story for them. Uh, You have to give their head coach, Brian Daball, certainly should be in consideration for uh, head coach of the year. Uh, the great job that he did turning that team around and the Giants had a lot of uh, positives go their way but You look at the Minnesota Vikings and you just didn't, you didn't, you didn't get the feeling that it was a huge letdown. Uh, I think disappointment uh, most certainly. Uh, But I think, like I said, a lot of, a lot of fans, even Minnesota fans deep down in their hearts, knew that that was a team that just was not a championship contender. And, you know, it kind of leads back to Kirk cousins and they're just a team overall that just, um, it doesn't seem like they're ever going to be able to get over a hump it's no knock against them, but they're just not uh, that 13 and four record again, was very deceiving. When you looked at being at at home. uh, they had lost a game 40-3 to to the Cowboys. They were down 33 uh, nothing at home against the Indianapolis Colts. we seen them late in the season go on the road and get beat up by the Green Bay Packers, a familiar division foe. So uh, for Minnesota fans, for the Minnesota organization, as much as they may try to tell you something different, I think as the season wore on, especially when we got to the last month of the season, uh, everybody knew that Minnesota was a team that was hopeful, but certainly not a serious contender. As for the Giants, uh, they went in there and did what they had. Had to do, uh, played a great brand of football and were able to knock the Vikings off. Uh, when you looked at the Cowboys and Buccaneers game, I think the score may have been uh, more lopsided than expected. Uh, But when we were realistic about Tampa Bay and we talked about them during the course of the year, they were a team that won their division, but they had a losing record. You know, that was the main thing people needed to keep in mind. This was a team that won eight games, lost nine games. Uh, They had that home game in the playoffs in the wild card round because whoever wins their division uh, by default gets a home game. But we've seen the same things we've seen all year long. And I made a tweet uh, about it. On uh, Twitter at the time, I'm not sure if I was able to get it over to Facebook, but as I was watching the beginning of that game, uh, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, uh, the Manning brothers, have a pregame show. They also have on one of the ESPN networks where you can listen to them ramble on all game long, uh, if if that's your source of uh, type of entertainment and fun. And uh, before the game, Peyton Manning is saying that uh, you know everybody the, the the Dallas Cowboys need to watch out for Tom Brady. He's found his touch. You know he was struggling with the deep ball this year but you know last game against Carolina the him and Mike Evans hooked up on some deep balls you know Tom Brady is fixed and I immediately got on Twitter and said hey do you need to stop misleading people you know you that that is certainly not the facts we are not going to take tom brady all year long overthrowing under throwing being inaccurate with the football uh being late with the football uh not being on the same page as receivers that was something that happened all year long granted tom had a few games where certainly uh it was not his fault we all remember uh, that game at carolina where mike evans just dropped a touchdown with nobody within 20 yards right on his hands tom brady placed the ball perfectly but by and large tom brady was very inaccurate with the football all year long and just based off of one game that did not fix Tom Brady And I I tweeted about it, you know, to me, that's one of the main reasons why I am here to try to, as much as possible, make sure that people get the facts. Because by default, uh, a person on ESPN, a person on Fox Sports, basically a bigger media outlet, uh, people just give these people credit uh, as if everything that they say is factual. And that is not the case at all. And so as you've seen in that game, uh, Tom Brady was the Tom Brady that we've seen all year long, late throwing the football, overthrowing, underthrowing, not being on time. And it was his mistake that ultimately uh, really just switched the momentum in that game. Dallas came out early, scored a touchdown. Uh, The Buccaneers were able to drive down into Dallas's territory. And lo and behold, it is nobody else but Tom Brady making a horrible pass in the end zone that gets intercepted. And from there, it was just all downhill uh, for for Tampa Bay. And so, uh, you know, I wasn't surprised. I thought Dallas was the better team. I know that Dallas didn't look good in their final game of the season. But when you line those teams up pound for pound, uh, the Cowboys were just a better team. And, and we've seen that play out on the football field. Outside of Tom Brady, uh, we knew Tampa Bay struggled to run a football consistently all year long. Um, and defensively, you know, that's something else that needs to be corrected about Tampa Bay. They have never have a, had a dominant defense over the last three years since Tom Brady has been there. What they have had, which is what most championship teams have, you can go back and look. There are a few teams for sure that have just had like these dominant defenses where um, you couldn't move the ball on them at all. Um, But for the majority of championship teams, uh, Vinny, especially if they have a good offense, you don't need a dominant defense. What you need is a defense that can get off the field at key times. They can get key third down stops. Most importantly, they can force turnovers. And if you look at Tampa Bay's defense over the last couple years, that's exactly what they've been. A unit that has, in key situations, been able to get off the football field, get third down stops, and most importantly, get turnovers. And they were nowhere to be found. And so uh, I I wasn't sure shocked that Dallas won that game, but the fashion in which it happened, I most certainly was. When we went over to the AFC, Uh, I think that Bills-Dolphins game uh, was just a prelude to things to come. You know, the Bills were a team from the outset of the season that were automatically given the Super Bowl. Uh, If you looked at the Super Bowl odds coming into the season, if you asked the majority of NFL media personnel uh, which team had the best shot at winning the Super Bowl, it was the Buffalo Bills. And as the season wore on, uh, you just start seeing chinks in the arm. And you figure Miami comes in there with a third string quarterback playing in his first ever playoff game in Buffalo, cold weather. And it's a game that the Bills should have ran away with. Uh, but instead, we talked about throughout the year it was Josh Allen's turnovers, it was Buffalo's inability to run the football, and a defense that really just, uh, man, it started to break more than it was bending throughout the course of the season. So the Bills were able to escape uh, beating Miami in a wild card round, but it really wasn't a game that should have even been that close. The Bills edged out. Miami. 34-31. to Uh, The other AFC playoff game, the Bengals and uh, Baltimore Ravens, I think that was the one uh, that really raised a lot of eyebrows. Very close game. Ravens actually had a chance to win that football game, and uh, that was the play where their quarterback Tyler Huntley uh, just just made a huge mistake. Um, The play originally, when you hear head coach John Harbaugh talk, was basically for it to be a quarterback sneak, and instead, their quarterback Tyler Huntley decided to jump in the air and try to extend the football out over the goal line. So here's another one of those cases, Vinny, where we're talking about the difference between, again, if somebody is catching the football, so they the ball is being thrown to them, and as they possess it, they try to stretch the football out over the goal line and hit the ground, and the ball comes loose as an incomplete pass. When you think about what Tyler Huntley was doing, he already had possession of the football, so once he sticks his arm out across the goal line, and it crosses the plane or the white the white strike then it will be a touchdown well unfortunately for him a cincinnati bengals player jumped up knocked the ball out of his hands in the blink of an eye cincinnati's defense is scoring a touchdown and that completely uh, Change the momentum in that game again, game where Baltimore really played well enough to win. But as we talk about Vinny, when we get into the playoffs, the room and uh, uh, room for error, uh, a margin is so small, and so Cincinnati was really able to escape that football game, a game that Baltimore uh, had a legitimate chance of winning if it was not for that mistake. And then the San Francisco 49ers uh, completed their season sweep of their division rival, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, in convincing fashion. Uh, you've seen that 49ers offense hitting on all cylinders, uh, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, and Mr. Irrelevant uh, quarterback, uh, Brock Purdy, the rookie, the last overall pick in this year's draft, uh, started out a little sluggish, but uh, once that offense got going, just too much to handle and just overwhelmed the Seattle Seahawks, who uh, certainly had a good year, but were not one of the top teams. And so uh, that took us into uh, last week's games, and uh, we see the New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. we seen Cincinnati and Buffalo. we seen San Francisco and Dallas. We've seen uh, Kansas City and Jacksonville. Uh, how did you think uh, things sh- played out in those games?
0: Um, I thought it was amazing. Um, I was shocked with the Giants-Eagles game, definitely. Uh, Guderitt with the one-handed catch and the spin for the touchdown I thought was awesome. Um, I love it when Bradbury made the interception. They mentioned he was cut from the Giants in the offseason. And all I'm thinking is, karma was a bitch on that one. Like, how do you— Imagine cutting somebody in the off season and then in one of the biggest games of your of your life that the same guy intercepts the ball and plays a major role in you losing. Like that's got that's got to sting a little bit. I got to feel I feel bad for uh I think I think the Giants whoever made that trade dropped the ball on that one. Um then Brandon and then Boston Scott for the touchdown. They said he did 11 touchdowns in 8 games against the Giants and they said he's 5 foot 6 and they now call him the Giant Slayer. So I I it, and obviously obviously Obviously, I'm assuming these are true, but all I'm thinking is the announcers are really, like, laying into the fact that the Giants are getting their asses kicked. And I remember it was so bad, I actually called, my my dad actually called me yesterday, and the first question I asked him is, are you right?" Because my dad is, like, the ultimate, like, Giants fan. If you come into my house in the living room, even though he lives in Chicago right now, there's still Giants stuff everywhere. Like, my father's the ultimate, like, Giants fanatic. So I'm picturing like you know the the I'm picturing like there's a broken TV sh- you know stuffs being knocked over and he's had like two heart surgeries so I'm just had to, I had to ask him like is everything okay are you alright he goes yeah I made it through <laughs> he said I made it through so I'm like okay that's good he's he's all right um and then of course um the Bengals and the Bills I am in a state of shock I honestly thought the Bills were gonna be in the conference game this weekend to see Cincinnati um doing amazing like the amazing passage. And- He splits through the defenders. Um, I love love how Josh Allen did the touchdown run and then starts, you know, trash-talking everybody a little bit. I thought that was pretty cool, you know, because even though the Bills did very bad in this game, I will say – if there's any player that's earned the right to like sc- to like score a touchdown, puff out his chest and say I'm a badass, it's Josh Allen, so I don't hold anything against him for that. The man's earned his right to brag despite this loss. I still think I still give him uh, sort of a right to do that because even though, like I said, this game did not go their way, the way he'd been playing all season long, he- he's earned it. Some people some people brag and they shouldn't, some people brag and they should. and Josh is definitely somebody that should brag. And as someone who has seen the Cincinnati Bengals, Play horribly season after season after season to know they're going to be in a conference championship game is shocking to me. So I'm, I'm loving that. And then of course uh, the Cowboys and the 49ers. Um, that was just fun to see. Um, I love the uh, I love the fact that uh, the 49ers played as well as they did. Um, I know uh, Purdy uh, is. I remember at one point I think Purdy called an audible and, K- and Kittle still had the one handed catch was still able to play off of that. I thought that was great. Um, I also did love the press Prescott with that hail mary pass and lamb catches it because I've seen so many Hail Mary passes happen this season and nothing good come from them so to see that c1 actually make it was pretty great um I remember the Cowboys are covering a fumble it was not out of mcLeod's hand I thought that was great um and the 49ers just intercepting the ball every chance they got like they they played like they wanted to be in that championship game. So they definitely brought the fight. And then, of course, the Jaguars and the Chiefs. The Chiefs did very well. Um, I had seen the Jaguars pull—we've seen the Jaguars pull miracles this season, so I thought maybe there was going to be another one, but— um they just couldn't do it and Mahomes is another amazing quarterback that I noticed so in addition to Josh Allen Mahomes is another quarterback that's now on my radar just option passes side sling passes even a first down throw while he's surrounded like this is a guy who if, if he's ever, if, if, if someone has an opportunity to get him if the Chiefs ever decide to trade him which I would never do Um, obviously there's somebody out there although the thing that made me laugh the hardest was when um at one point there was a field goal kick and someone threw a roll of toilet paper like across mm-hmm. the (laughs) i never understood that i don't know is that is that a regular thing maybe somebody can explain that to me but uh what's also funny is i've been binge watching um dark side of football which is another uh, video project i'm hoping we can do in the uh, i'm hoping we can do in the off season and when i saw the the toilet paper get thrown i imagine one of the coaches grabbing the microphone and saying you don't live in cleveland you live in kansas city I was waiting for somebody to say that, but I don't know. Like, is is the toilet paper thing normal? Is that a normal thing to do, or was that guy just crazy today?
1: Uh, I wouldn't call it normal, but it certainly as isn't abnormal. That was the, uh, I guess, choice of product for the day. We've seen NFL fans throw tissue, throw uh snowballs throw uh beer cans throw various things onto the football field so i I would definitely say that was much more of a welcome sight as opposed to uh beer cans or beer bottles or something that was more of a uh uh heavier heavier, uh, type object but no that was probably a uh either a frustrated fan or a home team fan just trying to cause some chaos and ruckus so yeah definitely not the norm but certainly uh definitely any anything you can expect at these games
0: Absolutely. And uh and then of course aside from the uh the pitch to Tony who ran through everybody and Watson with the one-arm interception uh that was pretty much what stood out to me in the divisional round.
1: Yeah, so just to uh you know rerun it and uh, so we can start with the Kansas City Chiefs and Jacksonville Jaguars. Man, you know, it, it, it's just really something. And look, uh, Jacksonville's another team. Uh, you certainly want to give head coach Doug Peterson uh, his bag of chips, did a great job coming in and, and, and really helping turn that Jacksonville team around. We talked about how this time last year, uh, the franchise and their owner probably were trying to hide under a rock with the way that their season ended with the debacle with uh, their last year's head coach, Urban Meyer, and just how poor the team was playing he didn't have control of the locker room we certainly didn't see uh quarterback trevor lawrence making the type of strides that we expected him to make and then things ended with the whole you know urban meyer uh you know some girl dancing on him at a bar that that whole thing so uh for the, if you're a jacksonville jaguars fan like a new york giants fan uh, you're coming away from the season being extremely happy your team won a division actually won a playoff game your quarterback Trevor Lawrence definitely looks like uh, the face of the franchise there was an infuse of new talent that came in along with uh, uh younger draft picks finally maturing and turning the corner so there's a lot to be excited about in jacksonville but i think at this point you have to put Andy Reid in the same class as a Bill Belichick in terms of uh, if you give Andy Reid two weeks to prepare for a team, uh, his his coaching is impeccable. Uh, Andy Reid is, is one of my favorite coaches of all time at this point. I mean, you have to really look at uh, there's something to say about winning. And when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles, even though they never won a Super Bowl, uh, their team, I believe, made it to uh, – I don't want to be quoted so it was anywhere from three to four possibly five maybe straight nfc championship games made it to a super bowl unfortunately lost to tom brady and the patriots and uh like me a lot of people believe if wide receiver terrell owens was fully healthy that was a game that philadelphia could have won um so andy Reid. Has been to a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. That team was consistently winning a division. That team was consistently winning playoff games, consistently in the NFC championship game. He comes over to Kansas City. I believe this is Kansas City maybe sixth or seventh straight year of winning this division. Um, this'll be Kansas City's gosh, what is this fifth straight, maybe fourth straight AFC championship game? Uh they've won a Super Bowl, they've been to another Super Bowl. Uh so this is a guy who can coach. Um, obviously, when you are dealing with grown men there's something to be said about the respect that he garners in the locker room the winning culture he's able to establish and obviously when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes in Philadelphia he had a quarterback like Donovan McNabb both of those teams had a ton of talent so I certainly don't want to take anything away from the players but Andy Reid pushes all the right buttons and for me it's all about adjustments I think if you look at the way that that game uh, came out and started It just was some key mistakes by Jacksonville that uh, I think no matter what, I think for some teams, they have a winning enough culture where they just know how to win football games, regardless of what the final score is. So I certainly think that was the case with Kansas City. But if you look at a couple key plays there for Jacksonville that could have really increased their chances of winning, uh, wide receiver Christian Kirk, who had a touchdown in that game, who had been great for Jacksonville all year long, was a free agent pickup from the Arizona Cardinals. Man, Trevor Lawrence, man, laid one on them. I mean, the deep pass. Kirk got behind both of the Kansas City defenders. It would have been about a 55 to 60-yard pickup and put Jacksonville in Kansas City's uh, inside of their 20-yard line. And Kirk just dropped the football. There's just no way around it. The ball landed. He didn't have to dive. He didn't have to break stride. He didn't have to adjust his body. Um, He just simply dropped the football. And that was a costly drop that uh, ultimately could have put some points up on the board for Jacksonville. There was also another play where uh, the ball was tipped in the air and uh, you certainly can't knock anybody's aggression but when you looked at it from the football field angle the ball was going to kansas city's tight end travis kelsey the ball was tipped in the air and the uh, defensive player who was checking travis kelsey started to run and had a clear interception to the football i'm in the mindset the way it looked that if he would have grabbed it he probably would have ran it into the end zone i think they were only on about kansas city's 25 yard line instead uh one of his teammates another jaguar who seemed seen, seen Seen the ball go up in the air as well ran over and tried to make an interception himself and he dropped and those two plays I mean really end up being uh the potential difference in that game being different because if you figure if that uh defensive player intercepts it and runs it into the end zone or at least intercepts it they're in Kansas City's territory so you would think some points would get on the board and then again that Christian Kirk drop on that bomb for Trevor Lawrence was costly and so in the end those are the type of things where uh you get accustomed to seeing whether it be in the NFL, whether it be in the NBA, I probably say it probably even holds true in, in sports, whether it's soccer or hockey or baseball. Um, when you get to championship caliber teams, when you get into the playoffs, it's the teams that don't make the mistakes. It's the teams that don't have the mental errors, it's the teams uh, that don't shoot themselves in the foot that ultimately win. And so the elephant in the room coming out of this situation was going to be Patrick Mahomes, suffered a high ankle sprain, was able to gut it out, come back in the second half, and do enough to help his football team get the win his status for this week's AFC Championship game is up in the air, but I think if we all know Patrick Mahomes, if we all know the fiercest competitors in competitors in sports. He's pro As long as he feels, as long as the team feels that he can't hurt the team, he can't limit them, then you can expect to see him out on the football field, even if it is on one leg up until the point again where he becomes a huge liability for that football team. But uh, you just have to respect the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, most teams in that situation, when their starting quarterback goes down, they completely fold, and uh, their backup quarterback was able to come in and orchestrate a 98-yard drive over eight minutes, uh, 15 plays. It was that same drive where that tip uh, pass could have been intercepted. And so they made the adjustments. Um, they they know how to run the football. Uh, Andy Reid made the adjustments along with, we got to give their offensive coordinator, Eric B. And to meet tons of credit as well. Uh, so the Chiefs are just a team that know how to win, had two weeks of preparation, playing at home. That's a tough out for anybody. Uh, when you looked at the other AFC game that you talked about, the Bills and the Bengals, the fashion that it was done is the thing that, uh, uh, you and I, Vinny, and everybody else were um, most took taken aback by. You know, if I think if the game was a shootout. You know, if you say, "Hey, uh, Cincinnati had the ball last. It was a back and forth game." You know, uh, Joe Burrow, who by this time we know he's a killer. This guy's an assassin. He is a flat-out baller. This is his third year. Uh, his second complete year. If you think back to to uh, Joe Burrow and his rookie season, uh, was playing good and improving game by game. Maybe about week ten of his rookie season, somewhere in there, he suffered that AC. ACL injury but last year his first year back from that acl injury he was in the afc championship game here he is in his third year in his second complete full year he's back in the afc championship game and that's what i'm saying for some people there are no coincidences there are no uh you know this just kind of happened this guy's the real deal and uh i think it just was about mindset and game plan if you look at kansas city this was the team excuse me the cincinnati Bengals. they just physically out muscled buffalo and that's something that you know i I wasn't expecting to uh, especially with the Bills being at home and having an opportunity to go back to the AFC championship game and play Kansas City the team that had knocked them out the past two years but Cincinnati just came in on a mission you've seen it from the very first drive they had their game plan intact uh, they had two office two starting offense alignments were missing from the Cincinnati Bengals and those backups came in and I mean again you you that's what that's what football that's what team is about there wasn't no hanging their head there wasn't any excuses those two backups came in Cincinnati knew it all week long They put a legitimate game plan together to put those guys in in position to succeed. And so it was all working. Uh, Joe Burrow on that first drive, showing his athleticism, being able to escape pressure, find Jamar Chase, who was able to get the ball in the end zone. Um, They ran the football effectively. They just were more physical than Buffalo in the trenches on both sides of the football. Uh, So they did a great job. And again, you'll hear me say. Over and over again. Uh, this is on Twitter, this is on my NFL exporter page. That's why I keep archives of everything. If it's even been said on your show, Vinny, I said about the Cincinnati Bengals coming into the season. I had no worries whatsoever about their offense. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, they've got one of the best uh, skill position cast in the NFL, if not the very best pound for pound at running back quarterback and wide receiver. But your concerns were their offensive line, which was amongst the worst of the NFL. So if they could improve their offensive line, and most importantly, I said, if their defense could play at the level that it did last year, because Cincinnati over the past few years prior to Joe Burrow arriving, have been one of the worst defense in the NFL and they were the reason that the Bengals made the Super Bowl last year as much as the quarterback gets all the credit it was Cincinnati's defense that had a total of seven turnovers in their three playoff games last year and then another three in the Super Bowl so that defense is playing lights out they doubt of all the right blitzes on Buffalo completely neutralized those guys and just got Buffalo off balance and you know that's where I want to put my focus on is the Buffalo Bills is that you know throughout the course of the season, we talked about how everything was on Josh Allen. And at some point, they were going to be able to need to run the football with their running backs. If you look at over half their game, Josh Allen is the leading rusher. Well, you've got two running backs and Devin Singletary and rookie James Cook. Both of those guys very effective. At some point, you are going to need to get a running game from your running backs. And we did not see that happen. A trend that honestly was there all year long, right? We said, hey, you know, we don't blame the Buffalo Bills. They have committed to two years ago. The Buffalo Bills had committed to, you know what, we're putting the ball in Josh Allen's hands. That's the way we're going to win or lose ball games. So if you're a Bills fan, you cannot complain. That is the commitment that your team has made. You don't want to run the football. You want everything to go through Josh Allen's hands. Well, the further you get along in the playoffs, the competition is better. You have better defensive coordinators, better defensive players, and it just kind of fell through for the Bills. A team that, you know, once they got behind, uh, the running game was certainly out the window. I think their top running back had five carries I mean it's the winter time. You know what I'm saying, Vinny? This is this is playoff football. How are you not able to get any running game going? So, the Bengals just said, you know what? We don't have to respect the run. Let's let's go ahead and make sure we get enough pressure on Josh Allen, hit him early and often. They were more physical in the trenches. And when you looked at their wide receivers all year long, it was only Stefon Diggs, you know, the supporting cast of Gabriel Davis. He was inconsistent all year long. He was supposed to have a breakout year. He'd be here one week, you can't find him for 3 weeks. He's there for another week can't find him for another two Any other guys in and, and Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley I mean these guys are third and fourth on the depth chart a lot is not expected you did see their tight end Dawson Knox really turn it up over the last month of the season and get it going but this all fell back to an offense being too Josh Allen centric and I'm not saying it's a bad thing but when you have so much on one player when he's not playing well basically the, the rest of the team isn't playing well um and so Josh Allen is human he had a uh, unfortunately his worst game of the season at the wrong time uh, but again you're playing against a team that was in the A, that went to the Super Bowl last year so let's not you know make it like he was playing against a bunch of scrubs um, as for the Bills defense uh, I think this is where you miss Von Miller uh, the Bills went out in the offseason, signed veteran Von Miller for the playoffs, for this time of year. And envision um, is always 2020 hindsight, but I thought when they brought Von Miller over, it was really to kind of just keep him loose throughout the regular season. The last maybe three or four games of the season, go ahead and put him in and let him get his wheels turning. And you wanted him at these times. This is why you really went out and got Von Miller to be a difference maker, not only on the field, but in the locker room preparation. This is a guy who's been to two Super Bowls so he was really a missing piece on the football field as well as off the football field uh for this game and just the bills defense um i think they played well but the offense did not give them the support that they normally get and so like any defense i don't care how good you are if you're on the football field constantly if your offense is not putting up points you know that will put you in a position to where you just give it up and uh it just was a bad performance for the bills overall their worst scoring output of the year uh 10 points and just a huge disappointing loss and at the end of that game you've seen wide receiver Stephon Diggs uh, barking at Josh Allen at the end of the game completely inappropriate Uh, we'll talk about that uh, in a second but that received a lot of backlash from Bills fans from the Bills Mafia faithful they did not like seeing uh, Stephon Diggs showing his quarterback up especially when Josh Allen goes out of his way to make sure that Stephon Diggs gets the ball on a consistent basis And so yeah for the Buffalo Bills I would say by far if any that was the most disappointing uh, unexpected outcome of the season, but I think there is something to be said. I want to piggyback off that how you said that about uh, Bradbury uh, with the Eagles in the Giants game, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but emotion. Is something that is an invisible and tangible that goes into these games. And you heard the Cincinnati Bengals players saying after the game, they took it personal. It was disrespectful that the NFL had already chose a neutral site for the Bills and Bengals game that tickets were already sold to the Bills and Bengals game. It was going to be in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And the Bengals players said, We take that personal. How dare you are already selling tickets? You basically have just put Kansas City and Buffalo in the AFC championship game. And those guys took it personal, and they came out on the football field, and they day-day- I'm like that, Vinny. I know you are, you know, we're, you're a wrestling guy. I'm a, I'm a fo- football guy, but we play video games. You know, these are things we've been of, and that's what you like to do. You it, It's no better feeling than going to somebody else's uh, uh, home field or home turf when they are expected to win and just ripping their hearts out. And so that's what the Cincinnati Bengals did, and it is going to be- an an extremely long offseason season for the Buffalo Bills, because at this point, Benny, they're searching for answers. They've been to the playoff four straight years. They've been to an AFC championship game. They've been to the divisional round the last two years, and now there's a mental block on them getting over the hump. We When, when you go out to the NFC, Benny, um, that Philadelphia Giants game was interesting only from the standpoint of, I didn't know what was going to happen, because when those two teams played the first time in the regular season, the, the, the Eagles steamrolled the Giants. I think the score was maybe 42 to 10 it was no competition whatsoever and then when they played the last week of the season it was a much closer game and the giants didn't even play their starters so that left people confused like okay well wait a minute if the giants didn't play their starters philadelphia played their starters because they really needed to win that game to get home field advantage and they could only win that game by six points Hmm, the Giants probably have a real chance of going in and winning that game. And I mean, Philadelphia just shut that down from the jump. I think, uh, when you see teams on top of their game and Philadelphia is another one of those teams that had two weeks of preparation, I think the Giants just ran out of steam. Uh, they had really been in playoff mode the last month of the season when needing to win all their games went out. It took a big effort to win in Minnesota. And then you got to go to Philly, your division rival who's very familiar with what you like to do. Uh, their front seven on, on defense for Philadelphia, uh, has played uh, the best in the NFL this season and they just were able to neutralize everything the Giants wanted to do on offense which was shutting down running back Saquon Barkley and then the Giants let's be honest that wide receiver they don't have any household names and Daniel Jones just wasn't able to get anything going offensively though uh, quarterback Jalen Hurts who uh, looked like he was going to be the MVP if it wasn't for him getting hurt late in the season and missing the last two or three games uh, but that offense was sharp and when Philadelphia's offense is on it's one of the best in the NFL we seen Jalen Hurts do it with his arm. You mentioned Devonta Smith, Dallas Golder, that tight end, A.J. Brown. They can run the football. Jalen Hurts can get out and run the football. It just was a bad situation that the Giants ran into. And uh, we again, unlike the Buffalo Bills, uh, this Philadelphia team is physical. They're going to run the football, and it was to the tune, Vinny. I mean, this is demoralizing. They ran the football 44 times for 268 yards. I mean, you want to talk about just random ramming it down somebody's throat to the point that they can't breathe. And, and that's what happened. They just asserted their dominance. And like you said, certain things like that, a guy like James Bradbury, his motivation, you know, it's, it's so funny how in the NFL, I think in all sports, there is certainly something to when a player gets traded from one team to another, the amount of emotion that that guy carries when he plays his former team, it, it certainly uh, has the ability to. To, to elevate the rest of the team. And so uh, Philadelphia, just a, just, a be- just a better team and uh, got it done. When you looked at that other NFC game, man, I'll tell you what, man, I, I, and I'm going to be on Twitter with this today, Vinny. You know, you'll take a win any way you can get it, especially this time of year. But if you're a San Francisco 49ers fan, you should not be gloating or salivating over anything. That is a game that the Dallas Cowboys should have won. When you look at the San Francisco 49ers, muff the punt, the Dallas Cowboys lost their running back, Tony Pollard in the first half. Uh, Word is that he has a broken leg. We certainly are hoping that the second MRI is not as such. He's one of the more talented players in the NFL. Had a huge year for Dallas and nobody can take away his ability. Not saying that he was on the football field that Dallas would have won, but he's their most explosive guy out of the backfield, right? We know that Ezekiel Elliott is no longer that guy. So losing Tony Pollard, was huge for Dallas. Um, the San Francisco 49ers, muffed, or I should say, uh, uh, fumbled on a punt return that Prescott is the guy who really blew that game for Dallas. His two interceptions were costly outside of his two interceptions. One which was in the actual red zone. It took points, potential points off the board uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, but it was his bad throwing. Uh, he had C.D. Lamb, his wide receiver, running wide open on the sideline. If he puts the ball on Lamb and stride, it's likely a touchdown, or at least Lamb is getting tackled maybe about the 5 or 10-yard line. Uh, he had He had uh, C.D. Lamb again coming down the seam, underthrew him. He had Michael Gallup, his other wide receiver, wide open behind a defender, and Dak Prescott throws an underthrown ball that's inaccurate. Uh, You also take into consideration that for the 49ers, their quarterback, Brock Purdy, had an interception drop uh dallas's defensive back trayvon diggs who's a pro bowler for the second straight year dropped an interception uh that would have took points off the board from san francisco so if you look at the final score 19 to 13 you factor if you take away Dak prescott's two interceptions you figure Dak prescott at least hits on two or three of those long balls perhaps tony pollard's in there to strike a few more big plays and trayvon diggs doesn't drop that interception we'd be talking about the dallas cowboys in the nfc championship game this week but the reality of the situation is those things didn't happen the 49ers defense continued their dominant ways and it was those mistakes Vinny we've been talking about it right you talk about the Jacksonville game Mistakes they made, uh, Buffalo just not being prepared. I don't know if Buffalo just had it in their mind already that they had that game one, but they they were not prepared. You could just see Cincinnati was the team that was more focused, more doubting, more prepared. And I don't think the Bills were probably really thinking, you know what? We're playing a team that made it to the Super Bowl last year, and they're on a mission to get back there. So I just don't think the level of intensity and preparation was there. Philadelphia obviously the better team than the Giants, but in that San Francisco Dallas game again, the Cowboys mistakes in errors and not able to take advantage of opportunities allowed for the 49ers to win that game i can promise you this much the 49ers had one offensive touchdown in that game four field goals i can promise you this much if the 49ers offense puts up that type of performance this week at philadelphia they will not be advancing how did you see things play out
0: um i definitely see i'm i'm intrigued i will say that like i said the the cincinnati game threw me off completely i didn't if, if i That was probably the one game where I was certain the Bills were going to win. Like, most of the time when it comes to football, I'm rarely a prediction guy because all I I can do is predict from a fan standpoint because I don't have all the expertise that you do. But I will say that was the one game where I was like, oh, the Bills are winning this. And when they didn't, I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) I'm like, that's why I'm not the exporter. That's what I learned right from that. But uh again, the the Giants Eagles game did not I, I had no idea who was gonna win that game, but I did not expect the score to be thirty eight to seven. I did not expect the, the Giants were going to lose. I did not expect it to be that badly. So the the one thing I will say about the divisional round is that it it threw me for a loop. Things that I expected to happen didn't happen. Um, I'm intrigued to see what happens in the conference games. Um, because the the Chiefs and the Bengals, I'm intrigued to see what happens there. I really am. Like these these are games that actually have my attention because I have no idea what's going to happen. I think the Eagles and the 49ers. Um, hopefully the 49ers play better. Uh, hopefully they they learn from whatever mistake they made against Dallas because um, you know, I don't think the Eagles are going to make the same mistakes the Cowboys made and I, the Chiefs and the Bengals has my again, I don't know where that's going to go I have no idea because if I was a betting man, I'd probably roll the dice with the Chiefs, but the Bengals have been surprising me, so I I have no idea where to go and that's probably what I enjoy the most is I have no idea
1: and it's Yeah, and that's the beauty of the the NFL, like you said, there are a lot of uh, underlying stories going in, so when you're looking at this Kansas City The Bengals game pride is going to factor in here a lot so ever since Joe Burrow has come into the NFL uh, he is the Bengals are three and oh against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in the Kansas City Chiefs including they beat them this regular season in Cincinnati they beat them last year in Kansas City in the AFC championship game. And uh Joe Burrow's a guy I really love because he embodies a lot of me. I think there's a huge difference between somebody being cocky and arrogant and somebody being confident because they know what they're what they're capable of doing. And it at the when Kansas City, uh when Cincinnati beat Kansas City earlier this year in Cincinnati, when Cincinnati and Kansas City, uh when the game was over, you know, the players come out, they all, you know, high five, good game, whatever, exchange jerseys, exchange information. The two head coaches always meet the two quarterbacks always meet like if nobody else meets on the football field both head coaches always come and meet each other both starting quarterbacks always come and meet each other and Joe Burrow said to Patrick Mahomes we'll see you again so that lets you know that Joe Burrow, that's what I'm saying. Cincinnati already had a certain mindset, you know, and I think that because they're not in a big market, they can kind of fly under the radar. They were one of the hottest teams in the NFL ending the season behind the 49ers. I think at this point, the 49ers have won 11 or 12 straight. The Bengals are right behind them, maybe winning nine or 10 straight. So it was a team extremely confident. And uh, so it's, that's the, for, just from that standpoint alone, you're looking at Kansas City. And I, and I think that's the message just permeating throughout that locker room. Andy Reid You're saying, hey, look, guys, this is a team that beat us three straight times. This is a team that beat us last year. We had home field advantage. We were up 21 to three. We were one half away from going to the Super Bowl. And the Cincinnati Bengals beat us last year in the AFC championship game. Then they came out this year and beat us at their home field. Guys, what are we going to do about that? Are we really going to let this Bengals team come in here for a second straight year on our home field and beat us and stop us from getting to a Super Bowl? So, I mean, I've got to imagine that the level of intensity, the attention to detail during film study, uh, the motivation amongst these guys. I mean, I I I had to imagine that the Chiefs are coming out in this thing ready and pumped. the thing that makes that situation a little shaky is the health of quarterback Patrick Mahomes. And that that is really the elephant in the room. Again, he suffered a high ankle sprain. Um, man, Vinny, sometimes those things can get so bad, a player can miss maybe three to maybe a month. And so I'm pretty sure they're doing everything in their power to try to keep that thing loose. I don't know what the swelling look like. Obviously, it's the uh, professional sport, so they've got the top guys. I'm pretty sure uh, that, that ankle is in ice and heat and being massaged and, you know, therapy. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure they're doing everything everything in their power to make sure that patrick mahomes but because his health is up in the air and this is the other thing i don't want i don't want to hear about good offensive lines in the nfl okay the best quarterbacks in the nfl whether it's Jalen hurts uh josh allen patrick mahomes uh joe burrow will use the quarterbacks who are who are playing even young brock purdy for the front 49 these guys are constantly escaping pressure using their legs and able to scramble, throw on the run, and do things outside of the pocket. And so that is a huge part of Patrick Mahomes' game. Is that when the pressure breaks down, Patrick Mahomes is one of the best magicians in the NFL. When we talk about being able to escape uh, pressure and get out and improvise and make things happen on the run, right? We've seen this guy throw throw a pass with his left hand. We've seen him throw like a overhead pass. We've seen him throw a no look pass. I mean, this guy is just a magician with the football. And so. So he's limited in his ability to scramble, to run. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is not known for that, but he is a very smart quarterback. He can pick up yards with his feet. He can rush for touchdowns. And so if he is going to be limited in his ability, to make things happen with his feet, then that is certainly something that you want to take in consideration. But again, because he has Andy Reid as a coach, because he has Eric Bieniemy as an offensive coordinator, because this chief's t- core of this chief's team is going to be entering their fourth or fifth straight AFC championship game, they have a championship medal in Valor, and I'm pretty sure they are going to have a legitimate game pa- plan in place to make sure that any type of limitations that Patrick Mahomes has, they have a game plan to try to protect him as much as possible. The problem is if it gets re-aggravated in the game, if it's too much for him to handle, if he's not able to make the plays that he needs to make, that could be a problem. As for the Bengals, uh, again, they're a team flying under the radar. Uh, They're coming in with a business-like approach. Uh, Again, you have to look at the Bengals as a team that went to last year's Super Bowl and lost. They are on a mission to get back there and win it, and so they are coming in laser-focused as well. They don't mind being the underdog. That's what they've been the last couple years. Nobody expects them to be there and unlike uh Patrick Mahomes who's banged up Joe Burrow is not and we seen on that first touchdown pass last week to Jamar Chase him use his legs to get out of trouble and find an open receiver so like you Vinny this is a big game man that everybody is waiting for it. everybody is going to be watching this game because there is a ton of pride uh on the line I expect this to be a very physical game I hear in the weather Vinny is going to be around 8 to 12 degrees and so Damn. it's going to be some hitting going on and and it, this is going to be a great, great game. Uh, how do you see things shaking out between Philadelphia and San Francisco?
0: Um, this one's going to be a fight. I, I like it. I feel like this is um this is one of those games where people are going to be paying close attention. I know in my family, this is going to be a big thing because my mother is a huge 49ers fan. And even though my dad worships the Giants, the rest of my extended family lives in South Philadelphia. So they are all about the Eagles. So I'm either going to have, I'm either going to to have um, happy you know relatives and a pissed off mom or a happy mom and pissed off relatives. Thankfully, I live in Georgia so if the 49ers do win, I don't have to walk into a hostile territory. So that's going to be a good thing. Um, hopefully, I know by the time I visit, if I ever go up there and visit, by the time that happens, everybody will cool off. So from a family standpoint, this is a, a big, important game. But I also know that as as great as the Eagles have been playing, I've seen the 49ers work miracles. Like I, Brock Purdy is definitely somebody I have my eye on as well I think him and Kittle make an amazing like ta- I'll, I'll use a wrestling term here they're a great tag team like the, the like they really just know how to it's like they can sense what the other person's doing so I feel like if you have that combo together it can work out really well plus you got McCaffrey you got McCaff like you got uh, McCaffrey sorry and then you got just the, the 49ers have a solid team together and they, I feel like they're going to bring the fight to the Eagles. I mean, I know the Eagles have been playing very well, but if I were them, I would not take the game lightly. It, despite what happened with the Giants, they they need to walk in with the attitude of, okay, we destroyed them, but we got to focus on here. Because if, if they get too arrogant, the 49ers will run all over them so i feel like this is going to be one of those another again another game that you got to pay attention to because uh i think that's going to be just as much of a pride game as cincinnati and kansas city i feel like you know these are these are like division rivals and stuff so i feel like this game is going to be one of the i feel like we got two games this this weekend that are both must see because both teams have worked miracles all season long and anything can happen.
1: No, you're you're exactly right. And again, two teams on the mission. Uh, this is the 49ers' third NFC championship game in the last four years. Uh, they were in the NFC championship game last year, came up short, losing to the Los Angeles Rams. So this is a team that's coming out to Philadelphia, understanding and knowing that, hey, We came up short last year. Here's our opportunity to get it right this year uh, and try to win that Super Bowl. Uh, I can tell you that 49ers definitely coming in focus. And then for Philadelphia, I mean, if you just look at their quarterback, Jalen Hurts, consummate professional, I think a guy that, most of us can appreciate if you look at how how he played last year you look at how well he's played this year that is a direct correlation of somebody who put the work in in the offseason you you can see that that's somebody who spent the time refining his game um t- His accuracy is there, the ball placement, his attention to detail, how sharp he's been. I know there's this whole thing out there about, you know, oh man, maybe he has it easier. Some of these quarterbacks have it easier because of how much talent are on their team. Well, let's not keep in mind, they still have to go out and get the job done. So I don't take any credit away from Jalen Hurts at all. A lot of times you can only work with what's at your disposal. So uh, I think he has utilized wide receiver A.J. Brown, wide receiver Devonta Smith, tight end Dallas Golder, uh, his offensive line. I think he has maximized those things to the fullest because I think it's fair to say if we put a, a Baker Mayfield or a Jacoby Brissett or a Matt Jones and no shade to those guys but I'm just saying they don't have the same abilities if we put those same guys into that Philadelphia offense I don't think that offense will be scoring 30 plus points a game especially when you consider how effective Jalen Hurts is as a runner and it's not as a running quarterback it's not always about just being able to run it's about when you decide to run a lot of times those third down plays for a quarterback like a Tom Brady or some of these quarterbacks who are more who can't move as much those are plays that Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen or how we're talking about with Patrick Mahomes this week being limited where they can use their legs either get out pick up a first down with their feet or use their legs to improvise and create some other passing angles to get some guys open and so I'm like you Benny this is going to be a huge game We know that Philadelphia crowd is raucous. We know how badly the Eagles want to go back to the Super Bowl. I don't remember the year, but it's been within the last five to seven. And the Eagles won the Super Bowl in that classic game against the Patriots and Tom Brady. Um, And so they're thirsty. They're desperate. I mean, Philadelphia is another one of those teams where, hey, last year they made the playoffs. They got knocked out in the first round by Tampa Bay. Now they're back in position, trying to make their push. So, like you said, this these 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 two games, Vinny, these are going to be very physical games these games are outdoors I can't imagine if the weather in Philadelphia is going to be uh too more too much more friendly than at 8 to 12 degrees in Kansas City especially with that game probably tipping off about excuse me kicking off about 6 30 in the evening so it's going to get colder as that game goes on if you're a 49ers fan your confidence level is hey last year we went out to Green Bay we went out to Lambeau Field so we're not scared of those conditions we went out there and won the football game but as I said the 49ers offense and team as a they're going to have to clean it up now i can't say the 49ers defense because they did what they do they forced two turnovers they got after dallas they made that prescott very uncomfortable but there were some plays that still like you said i don't think jalen hurts is going to miss those passes that that prescott missed you know i don't think that philadelphia is going to not capitalize on some of the mistakes that we've seen and i think if you're a 49ers fan Uh, If you look at the amount of pressure that Dallas was able to get uh, on Brock Purdy, he was uncomfortable to start the game. Christian McCaffrey only 10 carries for 35 yards, so the running game was neutralized. Philadelphia's defense is in the same mold, Uh, top five to 10 against the run definitely top five uh getting pressure on the quarterback and so I think it's going to be a defensive battle I think the key in this one again is going to be if you're San Francisco you have to make sure that you do not allow for quarterback Jalen Hurts to do too much damage with his feet I really believe that that could end up being the wild card in this matchups because otherwise these teams are pretty much uh toe-to-toe when you look at the tail of the tape matched up very evenly and what was so cool Vinny before we get out of here was um, it's so funny how life comes back around full circle. Uh, and Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy actually played against each other in college. Uh, Brock Purdy went to Iowa State. Jalen Hurts went to Oklahoma. They showed the highlights the other day on television. Uh, Oklahoma was able to win that game 42 to 41. Purdy actually had a chance to to win it uh, as time expired and ended up throwing an interception in the end zone that allowed for Oklahoma to win that game. But it was so cool seeing those guys three to four years ago in college uh, after the game was over, uh, you know, talking to each other. Like I said, that's just uh, NFL football protocol uh, on the college level and up that the starting quarterbacks come out a little powwow after the game is over. And it was just so cool seeing those guys, Brock Purdy in an Iowa State jersey, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts in the Oklahoma Sooners jersey. I don't think any of those guys at that time imagined that they'd be playing each other uh, for a trip to the Super Bowl in the NFL just three years later. So I- I'm like you, Vinny, man. And I, I'm, I'm excited man I, I, I you know I know life goes by one day at a time and I got a lot that I need to handle in these next couple of days but I am drooling and licking my chops these should be two great games on Sunday I can't wait
0: absolutely I can't wait either I am very very excited and uh, I know a lot of people are gonna be very excited to hear uh or see the uh, the tweet you got regarding uh you know the 49ers game and, and the and the Manning brothers and everything else so uh if people want to see those tweets uh before we wrap up uh working people find you on social media.
1: Absolutely. So on Twitter, the handle is at NFL exporter. The spelling is N-F-L-E-X-P-O-R-T-E-R. So at NFL exporter, you can find me on Facebook, same handle, facebook.com forward slash NFL exporter. The name should be for Lance Goodman. And then if you're on Instagram, especially if you live in the city of Atlanta or live in Atlanta or surrounding parts, we have a great football club that we have here in the city. The handle is at UFCATL, Ultimate Football Club ATL. Please give me a follow there. Uh, We actually have a year in Atlanta Falcons party uh, that we're planning coming up soon that Vinny will definitely be a part of. And uh, that's just a great football club to join. Even though the season is coming to an end, we have some year-end parties coming up. So we definitely want to invite people out for a uh, great time. And uh, my website, is NFLEXporter.com the spelling the same dot rcom that's my official home and hub where you can hear my various podcasts and other great information
0: absolutely and we'll definitely uh when we get the uh, the date for the uh, year-end party we'll definitely get that information out and lance as always I-, I appreciate you coming out here man taking time out of your busy schedule to join us it's always a pleasure to talk football with you and uh i can't wait till next week when we talk
1: about these conference games absolutely i can't wait to hear it either all right man talk to you soon. All right, talk
0: to you soon. All right, and make sure you guys follow the booch cast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Uh, Be on the lookout for our episode of the male soap opera moment dropping in the next day or two. Uh, The Wends and I will be giving our predictions for the WWE Royal Rumble set to take place this Saturday night and also we'll be going into some other WWE related topics that we want to talk about as well. So check out the Male Soap Opera Moment with me and Joey Wenzler on the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content. And be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Be on the lookout for our new episode of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the 90s. Dropping later today at 2 p.m. will be episode 8, uh, Hip Hop, The East versus West Media War. That's right, we're going to be talking about the East Coast-West Coast rivalry in hip hop, as well as the rivalry between Biggie Smalls and Tupac Shakur. That's going to drop today at 2 p.m., We also have other episodes uh, lined up soon uh, on the YouTube channel. We got at least two more episodes already scheduled up there and I'm about to be editing the ones that uh, Zach and I have been filming in the over the last couple of weeks. So uh, we're gonna have the rest of them up there to complete Dark Side of the 90s. So make sure you are subscribed and notified to our YouTube channel so you can find out when those episodes are coming out and you can be the first to check them out. Also, make sure you guys uh, follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. We're hoping to do the Royal Rumble this Saturday, but there may be some situations coming up. Uh, At the time that I'm recording this, I'm still trying to get some updates on some possible gigs I might have that day. Some people are supposed to be confirming with me uh, whether or not I'm supposed to be performing. So once I get the answers, I will either be performing at those gigs or I'll be watching the Royal Rumble hopefully I can get somebody to uh take over the watch party. Otherwise, sadly, we are going to have to cancel again. And I do apologize sincerely if we have to do that. Also, we have a live d d show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special treat in the works. Also, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small, monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. Our first level is 99 cents, $1 per month. Our second level is $4.99, $5 per month. And our third level is $9.99, $10 per month. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPAY. And the best part is, all the money we raise through donations from our fans, we use to put back into the show. That's where the money goes. We use to upgrade our equipment. We use to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you have a favorite co-host and believe they deserve to be paid... For their hard work, anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye, so long. So long. Farewell. Farewell Adieu, you. And you, be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm, relax. Eddie, take care. Stay loose. Adieu all vieux. I love you. And goodbye till when we meet again.